morning, everybody. So glad you're with us. Would you stand and worship?
out of the darkness and into the light. We are children of the light. I search the world.
This is our sacrifice of praise to you, Lord. We raise our voices because you have saved us and claimed us and we are yours. Let's make a declaration this morning. you Jesus we are just here to worship you the way maker miracle worker the one who keeps every single promise we worship you
worship you this morning. We worship you and we praise you. We welcome you here for who you are, Lord, the way maker, miracle worker. We know you're there with us, Lord. We know that you walk with us through every trial, through every struggle, through everything that we endure. And we just worship you. step out
going to invite you to be seated as we pray. Father, Abba, it is our privilege to worship you today. It is our honor to be before you today. It is, it's not a got to, this is a get to. We get to do this. We get to gather. We get to come together and honor you and lift you up. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto myself. Father, I thank you that as we lift Jesus up, all are drawn to him. And that is our heart. That is our desire. Father, I have a, a favor to ask on behalf of everyone who's here this morning and everyone that's watching uh, online today. Father, would you, I'm asking, would you increase our hunger for more of you? Would you increase our appetite? Would you do something that is so beyond the norm and so different where we just have to get used to different? And we lean into that, and Lord, we, we say we welcome your work in our life even this morning. Lord, I don't want to leave this property today the same way I came in. And that is my prayer for every person here, everyone watching online. My prayer for them is that they will not be the same after they stay with us through this. And so that's our heart cry to you, Lord. Don't let us go back to whatever normal is. May we ever be advancing, growing, stretching, learning, increasing. Because of the increase of your kingdom, there is no end. And we want to be about that. And we honor you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen, amen and amen. Great to see everybody. I uh, have to sort of come out of that mindset because I'm just like in. I'm in the Holy of Holies. i got to come out, part the curtain and come out. Woo. Appreciate so much our worship team, not because I play on it, but because they're amazing. And our production team as well. Those guys, they're amazing back there. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, my name's Jimmy Pruitt, and I'm the lead pastor here at The Bridge. I want to welcome you uh, into a place where people are hungry for God and, and excited about Him. And, 
And I would, I would characterize who we are as a people as believing believers. We really believe this stuff. We're, we're here. And so I want to say welcome to you and thank you for coming today. And if you're a first-time guest, we're not going to make you do anything but just receive a little applause. So could we bless our first-time guests? Great to have you. For those that are listening or watching online, we just want to welcome you as well and say thank you for being here. I'm not sure where I'm looking. But I want to say thank you for being here, so I'm going to look bo at both cameras. We added a camera this week, so. So thank you for being here, and we want you to know that our heart for you, and my prayer has been that you would sense a fraction, a touch, or even the full-on of what happens in this atmosphere and what happens in this place. And we want you to know you are no less a part of what's happening here because you're at home. So so for, for right reasons and good reasons, you're there. So thank you. And do want you to participate and, and sing along. The words are there for you. Sing along. Worship with us. Engage. And he's with you. He's there. And so thank you for watching today and being a part. Now, for those of you that are first-time guests, you'll help us on this. If you'll notice, when you go out the door on just to the left, out these double doors, there's Connection Center. There's cards available for two things. There's a, there's a card available. If you're new, we'd love to have your information. We'd love to know where people are from or if you have any questions for us. Uh, so that's on one card. There's another card there that's a prayer card. So anybody who has a prayer request or a prayer need, feel free to fill that out. That way you'll have it. And uh, you can put both of those in the black boxes. You'll see them on all the exits. And we even added another one over here for you folks on that side uh, for later. So be sure and uh, fill out a card. And thank you. Now, if you're online watching and you have a prayer need or a prayer request, feel free to write us at info at bridgefbg.com. You can send those prayer requests. They come directly to me, and I'll get them out to our prayer team and where they need to go so that we can pray with you, stand with you, and hold your arms up through this craziness that we're in right now. So thank you. Our heart here today, and my heart for you is this, is that when you come in here for an hour, 15, hour and a half, whatever we end up doing, that you get to press the pause on the drama of life for just a little bit and breathe. And just breathe and breathe in his presence, this ethos, this atmosphere. So I want you to feel relaxed and joyful and whatever's going on out there, let's just, I started to say leave it out there. Why don't we just bring it to the cross and put it at the feet of Jesus? How's that? And then we can leave it here. We'll clean up later. And, and then you can go on free and unburdened. So that's our heart for you. Well, as we move through, I want to do one thing that's really special to me and to my heart, and I know many of you right now, we know schools are reengaging. Schools are going back in and starting, and I want to take a moment and pray for our teachers, for our faculty, for our students, for our staff that work all the various positions of our schools, and first of all, I want to say thank you because you are making a difference in the next generation. In fact, if you stop and think about it for a moment, this is pretty heavy, you're actually changing family trees by what you do. So I want to say thank you for what you do. You're making a difference. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for making a difference. And we want to pray for you. We want to bless you as you engage this really new, new year, okay? Let's do that together. Father, in the name of your Son, we lift up our teachers. We lift up our instructors, professors. We lift up our, our staff. We lift up the faculty of both our our private Christian schools, our private schools, our public schools, and Father, for not only Fredericksburg, but for Harper and in the area, surrounding area, we hold them up and we bring them before you. And Lord, we escort the whole bunch of them. That's a big group of folks. 
but you have a big house. So we escort the whole group of them before your throne of grace and we present them to you. And Lord, we ask you to pour out your spirit upon them and to release grace over them. As they engage all this newness and engage this new landscape, first of all, that you would eradicate the spirit of fear. And you would eradicate any kind of spirit that would try to keep them sitting back in a setback. Lord, you would infuse them with life and hope and creativity as they engage its new landscape. New ideas, fresh approaches, creativity in the midst of it all. Would you release that over them and encourage them that they'll look back on this. And in the first service, I had a picture, and it just came back to my mind, of, of these teachers, these students, these these, these faculty members wading through a forest, but they were just pushing the bushes back as they went like it was nothing, like it's nothing. It looks like it is, but it's, it's nothing, Lord. They won't even slow down or miss a beat. So I'm asking for grace and greater, greater, uh, greater measures of grace upon them. And we pray for them and we bless them in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. amen. Can, we, can we just bless them again? Bless them. So appreciate them and all they do as they make a difference. Also, just a, and just a little housekeeping piece. You'll notice we have exit signs over the doors there. We also have an exit through that parted curtain back there where, uh, where Doc Hardison is right there. And that's an exit for you. Just uh, want to let you know where things are. Our safety team appreciates it when I give a, a little notice to that. Just so you'll know where things are. And we appreciate you. And we appreciate our safety team as well and what they do. I want you to know they're on point, And that makes me feel really good. So it frees us up to do what we're called to do. So I just want to encourage you in that. I want to turn our attention to, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to, we're going to do communion. And then we'll do an offering after that and spend time in generosity. But as we receive our offering, I have to just share something. Annette and I binge-watched yesterday or this weekend uh, the series, The Chosen. And if you have not seen that, I adjure you to see that. And if you want to know how to do that, come talk to me or hit me up on Facebook. I'll get you the link. But it's free. It's eight episodes right now. And I have to tell you, I cried more. I, I was so dehydrated from crying yesterday. Can you do that? I mean, I was just like... What is going on? I, I can't even explain what that did for me, but I do know this. Since I was 18 years of age, I've had this picture of Jesus, not as the one floating three feet off the ground, little baby cherubs, you know, flying around his head and eyes rolled back and, you know, bleeding and stuff. That has never been my vision of Jesus. My image of Jesus has always been one who's joyful, one who's alive, one who's fully alive, one who knows how to tell a good joke at the right time with a great punchline. I'm talking about full of joy. And the Bible says he was filled with the oil of gladness more than all of his brethren. I mean, he was happy because he knew where this was going, even though in the meantime it was going to be difficult. But for the joy set before him, he despised the shame. It means he stepped over it. He went right over it because he knew what was coming. He knew the redemption. He knew the resurrection was coming. He knew the Spirit was going to be poured out upon all of his believers, even knowing that we're going to go through a rough season. That's my Jesus. And that, what I love about this, this show is that it, it portrays that. It, it, for me, for my heart, it's the best portrayal I've ever seen of Jesus. And I kept saying the whole time doing that, that's my Jesus. That's my Jesus right there. That's the one. And so as we were watching that, uh, just... 
seeing how they sat around the table and the joy and the laughter and the normal interaction, cutting up, this being enjoying good food, enjoying good company. And what the Bible calls koinonia, it means fellowship, but it's a, it's a brotherhood, it's a family word. This koinonia, this connection. And can you just picture him like that right now with his disciples? Now, he knew what was coming. On the night before he was betrayed, he was with his disciples. And, and I have a feeling they were cutting up and just being disciples. They were being themselves, being guys, and fellowshipping. And he had to know what was about to come. And in his mind, he had to say, I, they don't even know what's about to happen. They don't even know. And in that moment, he did something very unusual. And uh, if you have your, the elements for communion, if you don't, if you'll lift your hand really high, Amy and Jason are back there, they'll get those to you. So keep your hands up until they get to you so they can see you. But they're bringing them your way. So just make sure they see you all over. So go ahead and get those. And for those of you watching, I'll give you a moment to go ahead and go get your elements and get prepared for communion. Whatever you have there is great. And uh, do participate and join us. For those of you who already have that, I just encourage you, a little housekeeping thing, just peel the top layer first and uh, the clear layer for, for very practical reasons. And go ahead and prepare that and get that ready. Great. So we'll get those to you. They're coming your way. So as he was with his disciples in that atmosphere of joy, that atmosphere of celebration, that atmosphere of togetherness, he actually took some bread, and, and back then it wouldn't have been like a loaf like we think. It was actually like a matzah bread. It was a, like a cracker, uh, more like. And he took that in his hand, and he said, this is my body broken for you. And, and they had to be thinking, what? Where's he going with this? And then he took a goblet of wine, and he said, this is my blood poured out for you for the remission of sins, for the sins of many. This blood poured out for you. And they had to be in their mind going, wow, wow. And he took it and he blessed it. And then they partook of it. So I want to bless this. Father, in Jesus' name, we hold before you these representations. And I can only use my sanctified and very overly active imagination to imagine that scene with Jesus and all of his humanity in that moment. All of his love for them. All of his grace extended to them, knowing what they were about to go through and what he was about to go through. He released his own body and his blood to them and to us subsequently. And he said, remember. When you're together like this, remember. So that's our heart right now, to remember. And so in Jesus' name, we bless this and we thank you. Amen. Amy and Jason and, and several are going to come by with receptacles. You can put your, your elements in there. Another thing that we love to do in the context of worship, because it is an act of worship, is that is practice generosity and give our offering. If you'll notice the boxes on either doors, also outside and then over on this side as well. What we're going to ask you to do is, I'm going to ask you to do something. Annette and I learned this years and years ago, is that we give on purpose and with purpose. And we're not just giving to the church. We're giving through the church. When we go to a conference and we are visiting and we give, we're not just giving to them. We're giving through them, knowing that God is using that in various ways. And we trust that God's up to something amazing. And we take our loaves and fishes, so to speak, and we present them. 
and we trust that God will do what needs to be done. I want to encourage you to do something. And this is something we learned. We bless it when we give it. We speak over it. We declare souls will be changed, lives will be changed, people will be born again, and that it will make a difference. Somewhere, some way, somehow, it's going to get where it needs to go because we trust God in that. So as you give today, would you do me a favor? If you're going to be giving during the song, we're going to worship, and while we're worshiping, you can just get up out of your seat, or we'll be standing. You can just go right over and make your deposit in those boxes, but please speak over it. And do it for that which you do online as well. We appreciate you giving online. You can do it there too. Just speak life over it and say, Lord, I release these fishes. I release these loaves to you and use it to advance the kingdom. And I sow for souls in the name of Jesus. Amen. As I pray for our offering, I also want to pray for our churches that are, many are regathering now and figuring it all out. I talked to some folks from Oak Hills at Crown Ridge this last week, their executive pastor, and, and they're looking at regathering on the 30th, and, and uh, we're talking shop about all that. What did y'all do? What did y'all do? And we're like, well, we just showed up. You know, we just, we just, we gathered, you know, and trust God. So they're doing the same things we're doing. So can we just pray? Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for this offering. We bless it. We speak life over it, and, and that it'll, it'll participate in bringing many to Christ participate in helping many all over the world, not just here, not just locally, but translocally across the globe, that, Father, you'll take this loaves and fishes and you will touch it and multiply it across the world. And we bless it. And, Father, for churches, Lord, as they're continuing to navigate all this change, Father, encourage them, bless them. I would ask that you would release an extra measure of courage into those teams and those leaders and those pastors, that they would not walk in fear, that they would place faith over fear and walk in great wisdom. So we hold them up, bless them in Jesus' name. Everyone said, let's all stand together. We're going to worship, and let's have some fun with this one.
Church, would you please be seated? So just to give you a heads up, this is not going to be your typical sermon, three points and a poem or anything like that. I'm going to really bear down and share my heart with you today because I think it's really important where God is taking us as a people. I, uh, I've had the privilege and I would even say the responsibility of being able to experience a full-on revival, a full-on outpouring of God. Now, I'm not talking about the kind that back in the 1980s when I was a, a young follower of Jesus and in my church, my traditional church, we had a, we scheduled a fall, a, a fall revival and a spring revival. And we didn't typically have revival per se. We had revival services. We ate lots of food, great potluck dinners. I'm not lying. We knew how to cook. And so we would gather and we would do these things, and they were great. They were wonderful, and every once in a while we would have some amazing moments. But for the most part, they would come and go, and at the end of the week, we were mostly tired and full. We'd eaten too much, and we had a wonderful time. There was nothing wrong with that at all. Unfortunately, though, there was a mentality that somehow we could schedule a revival and God would show up, you know, expecting that or maybe not expecting it so much. And I remember as a young follower of Jesus coming away from those meetings thinking to myself, there's got to be more. This can't be it. I mean, if this is it, I'm in for a long life. There's got to be more happening. And there's a reason for that. It's because when I came to know Christ, I didn't come to God as a settler. I came as a pioneer. Now, let me just tell you something. There's two kinds of churches, two kinds of Christians. Russ and I were talking about this. Russ shared this with me on Thursday, and it just went off in me like a bomb, a truth bomb. 
And I was like, yes, sometimes things come our way that bring clarity to what we're already thinking. And now you have words for maybe something you didn't before. And he's been reading and, and studying this, this pastor out of Southern California who used this metaphor. There are two kinds of churches, two kinds of Christians. There are pioneers and there are settlers. Settlers are those who come to know Jesus. They get saved. They get baptized and they're thankful. And they spend the rest of their life settled in, waiting. Waiting, waiting for the end. They work their jobs. They raise their families. They send their kids off to school. They build their big nest egg, and everything's nice and tidy and clean and neat. But then there are pioneers. Pioneers. Those with the pioneer spirit are not about settling for anything. In fact, there is a holy discontentment in pioneers that drives them to that there is more to come. There's more to be discovered. There's more to be explored. And a pioneer cannot sit back and settle for anything. And I have to warn you in case you haven't figured it out. Your pastor is a pioneer, not a settler. (laughs) Unzip. Here we go. It just is what it is. And so I want to encourage you in this because here's what I have to believe. And the reason I have to believe this is because when you've touched and tasted something, you can never be the same. So you have to understand, I cannot unsee what I've seen. I cannot unexperience what I've experienced. I cannot wipe from my memory banks what I have experienced when God did exactly what that video said. When heaven touched earth and then heaven touched us. Never the same and never content to settle. And so I'm going to issue some challenges over the next six weeks as we go through what I'm calling 40 days of rain, R-E-I-G-N. And it means not the kind of rain that's coming from the sky. It's literally a mentality where we are in a place where we are training for raining. Yeah, and I talked last two weeks about a dominion mindset and that God has given us the ability and the authority to occupy until he returns, right? right. Either until he returns or until we get, you know, we're jettisoned out of here, however that goes. End of life or Jesus comes back and I hope we're pre-trib rapture. I hope those guys are right. I'm just saying. I, I'm voting for that one. If I get to vote, I'm voting for that one. I want out of here before the rapture, I mean, before the tribulation comes. So I'm, I'm all in with those guys. We'll see how it plays out, hopefully, in our lifetime. And so I want to encourage you, as we step into this, I'm going to ask you to open your mind, open your heart. One line from that, that, those, those series that we watched, The Chosen, that I just, just rocked my world, was when Jesus looked at Matthew, the tax collector. Remember the tax collector was berated, he was hated. He was basically a traitor to the Jewish people because he was cooperating with the Rome to extract taxes. No offense, but we're not too wild about tax collectors either, are we not? So, you know, imagine them in an oppressive culture and society. Boy, it sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? But anyway, I digress. Um, So when Jesus called Matthew, uh, Simon Peter was not too thrilled about this. Peter was a zealot. He's like, what what are you doing? And in the the show, they portray this really well. And and he, he said, 
He said, what are you doing? He, he, you can't do that. And, and Jesus looks at Peter and says, well, I called you. I called you. And he said, well, that's just, it's too different. And, and P- Jesus looks at Peter and says, get used to different. Get used to different. If there's anything I've learned in my short time on this planet, I'm 58 years young. I'm looking around this room. I've got a lot of treadwear left. I'm just saying. I've just get, I, my engine just got broke in. I mean, I'm like ready to purr now. But if there's anything I've learned is this, that the only constant in life that you can depend on is change. So get used to different. Embrace it. It's a lot more fun when you embrace it. Now, I want to share some things with you. Over the next six weeks, we're going to be unpacking some revival. So today's going to be a little bit different because I want to unpack a revival and share some things with you out of this. But I want to refer, refer to the video piece, which Russ so excellently picked out for this because there are things that were said in there that went off in me. I sat right there where Curtis is sitting and cried on Thursday night as I watched this video. And I've been watching it through the day just to keep it in my spirit. Listen to what it said. Remember this. When heaven touches earth, when heaven touches us, remember the the bolt coming down? Hearts will be healed. The blind will see. The dead will be raised. Storms will be calm. Sins will be forgiven. That should get an amen from somebody here. I praise God for that one. Mountains will be moved. Nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. Can you imagine? So between our two services, we'll have 375, 400 people here today. It's not bad for a pandemic. And here's the thing. Can you imagine 400 people being on the same page with a declaration of, we are believing believers. And with God, all things are possible and nothing will be impossible. Can you imagine... The power that would generate with the footprint that we have in our community and our county, the size that we are, that if 400 of us walked out of here determined to be different than we walked in the door, listen, we would change the atmosphere of our community, of our county, and why not the hill country? You know, I made a comment in the first service. Some of you might have been here. I said, we're not here to create the wave. We're here to generate the wave. And that sounds really good and humble, but I was corrected between the services. I'm open. I'm teachable. A guy walks up to me, a guy I've only met one time, and he said, hey, I know you don't know me, but can I correct you? I'm like, yeah, bring it on. I'm wide open. (laughs) It's one of those I love you but moments. And I actually, though, I met him once, and I already knew his heart. You know, you can just meet people and know their heart. And he looked at me and goes, uh, you said something about, he said, I know you're trying to be humble, that you're not creating the wave, that you just want to catch the wave that God creates. He goes, the Lord wants you to know you're a wave generator. You are. When he said that, I went, I know, I know, yes. And while we are going to catch the wave, we get to participate with God in actually generating waves. God's looking. How do we do it? We walk by faith and not by sight. The first sermon I was able to preach here, we were Oak Hills nearly four plus years ago. Now, when I preached my first few sermons here, some of you were here. 
I was not me. I was, I was given something to teach. I was trying to fit in the box. And listen, that was all right. That was good. I've submitted to my authority and just walking in what God, that's where I was. And I wanted to honor my authority. But when I finally got the green light to be myself and preach what's in my heart, the first sermon I preached here about four years ago was a sermon, none of you will remember this, so I'll remind you, hungering for God. And in that sermon, I made a comment, a statement that for me has become a part of who I am. And it is this statement. Nothing moves the hand of God like spiritual hunger. Let me say it again. Nothing moves the hand of God like spiritual hunger. You want to be a wave generator? Boy, I'd so receive that word, by the way, from that brother. Like, oh, thank you. You want to come hang out? Let's talk more. Nothing moves the hand of God like spiritual hunger. What I've learned over the years is that God is attracted to those who are hungry. And you know what? God so loved a group of 5,000 or so, probably more than that, because they were, might have been only counting the men in that little tally. God loved 5,000 plus people so much, Jesus actually created hunger in them so that he could perform the miracle of loaves and fishes. Jesus led them out to where there were no restaurants, there were no cafes, there was nothing. He led them out on the other side of the lake where they were far from home. Even to send them home in their weakened condition could have been dangerous for many of them. He created a moment where the only way they were going to get out of it was a miracle. God will often stretch us out into the place that the only way we're going to get out of this is for God to show up. So, we're going to talk about this over the next six weeks. 40 days of rain is simple. I'm going to do a daily devotional. I'll put it on Facebook, on Instagram, on our page, on my page. You can find it there. It'll be a daily devotional leaning into what does it mean to desire more of God? What does it mean to hunger for Him? What does it mean to believe God for spiritual awakening revival and a move of God. Would you agree with me, family? We need a move of God in our nation right now. We do. How's that going to happen? We got to get hungry for him. Not just hungry for him to move, hungry for him. I want to tell you the story about somebody that was really, really hungry after God. We're going to unpack some of the classic historical revivals. One of my favorite is the Welsh Revivals of 1904 with Evan Roberts. Now, I'm going to unpack that for you right now. Here's the thing. One of the reasons why this is near and dear to my heart is because I'm of Welsh lineage. My, the first Pruitts documented on the planet in documented form started in Carmarthenshire, Wales, and then there was another clan of Pruitts up in Scotland. So I've got a Scottish-Welsh mix. No wonder I'm a pioneer. No wonder I'm ready to kill something. I mean, that's just arise, eat, kill. I mean, I'm just, I, I wonder I played sports all my life. No wonder there's an intensity. No wonder I like rock music. There's, there's a reason for that drive. And it comes out of my own very heritage. But here's the thing. The reason I love the Welsh revivals is because that too is in my DNA. It's in my bones. And that is a desire for a move of God 
that is beyond anything that we've experienced thus far. I believe there's more to come. And so, Evan Roberts, 16 years of age, gets converted, accepts Jesus Christ, and he has this hunger for God in the early days. Here he is, a teenager, hungry for God. His dad was a miner. You have to understand the industry in Ireland at the time were shipping yards, but the industry in wells was coal mines. And so you grew up a miner, your dad was a miner, your granddad was a miner, and you knew when you get of age, you're going to be in the mines. Very dangerous, hard work. And these were a rough, rough bunch. I mean, they would have collapses, they would kill, I mean, it was dangerous. Not only that, but the, the black death, what they were breathing all the time. And so he grew up in that culture, rough culture. And he had this massive hunger for God. As soon as he was of age, he started working in the coal mines with his dad. And he would work all day, hard work, around incredible uh, colorful language. I'll put it that way. He just a whole culture of that. And then at night, as soon as he got up, got off, he'd go bathe. And he would run to the church. And every night of every week, there was something going on at the church he would be there. Then when they didn't have something going on, there was a Bible school that he participated in. And so for years, he worked all day hard in the mines. And then all evening and night, he went to church. And then at 1 o'clock every morning, he would get up and pray and seek God. He moves into his 20s. He wants to get a formal education. He studies for a theological degree. He wants to preach He's feeling the fire of God. But he's not a preacher yet. He's just a young man who's hungry for God. And he continues his regimen of getting up in the middle of the night and praying, sometimes for four hours. But then Evan Roberts, this is all documented, by the way, and then he has an experience, what we would call an encounter of a supernatural kind. He's going about his business. He's now in his early 20s. He's not yet preached. He's not really been released yet. He's still studying. He's getting full. He wakes up at 1 o'clock in the morning, just like always. And when he wakes up, he has in his words what he calls he was sent up to heaven. I don't even know how to explain it. He explains it in some of his writings. And he tells it in some of his recordings, which you can actually listen to. Because he lived to be until 1951. So we've got some of his material. A lot of his writings. And for four hours every morning, in the, in the wee hours of the morning, for four months, he had the same encounter. And he, in his words, he would, he would talk to God face to face like a man talks to a friend. For four hours, four months. And then it stopped. And he was utterly, completely transformed. All that preparation was like kindling and was just waiting for a match. And God said, I'm striking the match. Get ready. So here's what happens. He's now 26 years of age. He's had this amazing encounter. He still hasn't taught or preached or done much other than he's just getting prepared because he knows God's up to something. He gets invited to speak to a youth group at a chapel. Now, the chapel has 800 seats, but it's just a little group of kids. The first night, he steps into the pulpit, and he preaches, and the Holy Spirit falls on this little group of kids. The next night, there's 100 people. The next night, there's 200 people. Within a week, 
people were already packing the chapel out and adults started coming saying, can we come too? We've heard about your preaching. And mind you, he's never preached before. And he's opening his mouth and the Lord's filling it. He even says he never prepares for a message. He believes and trusts God that he'll fill it. Whoa. And so he is like on. In two weeks, Evan Roberts goes from obscurity to international notoriety. The word goes out everywhere. It spawns another revival in the northern part of southern Wales at this almost the same time concurrently. As that happens, listen, he believed God told him that he would see 100,000 souls come to Christ. Mind you, this is 1904, 1905, 1906. Technology, internet, no. Word of mouth. When he would preach, the anointing of God would so saturate the atmosphere that people would begin to fall out and cry out to God. There was an outcry that went up. And they would cry out because of their sinfulness. And they realized how dark they were. And they realized they fell under what's called the conviction or the unction of God. We use the word conviction. Biblically it is. But it actually means to be convinced. They were convicted of their sin, which means they were convinced of their sinfulness. And they would turn and repent. And it happened in droves. Not only did he see 100,000 souls come to Christ, it was actually more accurately more like a quarter million according to some estimates. He spawned because of what God did in him and through him with that youth group. By the way, it started with young people. And what happened with that little youth group spawned 30 documented revivals out of that one. Which, no less, one of them is my second favorite revival. It's the Azusa Street revivals in Los Angeles. Were spawned directly out of Wales. There's a connection there. We'll unpack that one probably next week. God poured his life out into this young man who was simply available open and hungry. We've not seen a move of God like that here in the States in decades. We've seen touches. We've seen what Billy Graham's done. Praise God. We've seen what men like Reinhard Bonnke has done over in Africa where he preached over a million people, saw a million people converted in one meeting. I mean, we've seen some amazing things. We've seen what's happened in Toronto, the Airport Christian Vineyard Church up in Toronto, Canada. You, I don't care if you like their theology or that doesn't matter. What happened is God showed up and showed out. So we, I'm not going to judge somebody's theology when God's showing up. I'm just going to go, yay. I'm going to say, wow, not how. And just go, wow. And then we saw what happened in Pensacola, Florida. We've seen outbreaks. And now Bethel Redding Church in California, they're seeking to cultivate a culture of revival because Pastor Bill Johnson there believes that we should be able to steward revival and not just have it a hit, come and go, come and go, come and go. Do you know that most major revivals, Azusa Street, Wales, some of the Great Awakenings, there's two documented, but there's been many others, Usually lasted three and a half years. You know of anybody else's ministry who was about three and a half years? One, one writer speculates that perhaps there's a pattern there and there's a reason for that. 
likened unto the ministry of Jesus. Evan was quirky. I mean, every great revivalist was. I mean, if you think they're going to fit in your box of dignity and, you know, your tidy little box, it's not going to happen. Pioneers don't fit in boxes very well. You can't box them in. You can't, they're like a wild racehorse. Try caging one of them. And so that's like putting a, a, a racehorse on a pony ride. It's not going to happen. So one time during a meeting, he walks up, and at this time, the word had gotten out. He was into his ministry. Thousands, and by the way, he never announced a meeting. He would just show up, and the word would get out through other people. He would never advertise or promote himself. He would just show up to preach. He got invitations to go all over, and people would show up in droves. And he shows up this one night at this place to preach, and the place is packed and is actually spilling out the doors. And he walks up to the pulpit. He, t- he takes his hat off when he walks in, has a jacket on, pull- walks up to the pulpit, and he says, I have a question for you in a beautiful Welsh brogue, which I don't have. And he says, he says, do you believe that where two or more are gathered in the name of Jesus, that he is there in the midst? Amen. 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 I got excited. He said, let me ask you again. Do you believe then that Jesus is here right now because we're here? What do you think they did? Amen. Amen. He said, good, then you don't need me. He picks up his hat, puts it on, and leaves to go to the next meeting. Quirky things. See, God often gives us what we need in a package we don't necessarily want or like or appreciate. Get used to different. If you're hungry for God, you want more, you better get used to different. Here's another story from the Welsh Revivals. This is amazing. So, minor town. They had what they called pit mules. And these were horses and mules that worked the mines. I mean, that was the power down there. And they hauled out, you know, they'd mine the coal, they'd haul it. These were working animals. And it was a culture. And they had them all down there. There was tons of them. And what would happen is the miners were getting radically converted to Jesus. They were hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they were giving their life to Christ, and they were completely transformed, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they would go back down into the mines to try to work, and the horses didn't know what to do because they couldn't understand the commands of the miners. Why? Because the miners did nothing but curse their commands and pepper everything they said with cursing. Now the horses didn't know what to do because they couldn't understand the miners. They had to retrain the animals with new commands because they didn't understand anything that didn't, wasn't peppered with profanity. True story. It's documented. Here's another true story from the Welsh Revivals. Tavern owners all over the nation were furious with Evan Roberts because they literally had to begin to shut down taverns because no one was drinking anymore. No one was getting drunk. you got to understand, this is a mining country. These are rough old boys. They go to work, and then they go to the tavern afterwards and get smashed and then do it all over again. It's a drinking culture. And they shut the taverns down. And he didn't do it on purpose. That wasn't his goal. That was a byproduct of revival. Hmm. Get used to different. There you go. 
Another story that came out of that was that judges in that culture, if they had no cases to judge, this is a weird, quirky thing, they would put on white gloves to symbolize there was nothing to deal with. It was just a symbol. So they had their little wigs and all that, and, and, and they would put on these gloves saying, I have no cases to try. Judges all over the nation were walking around with white gloves on all the time because there were no cases to judge. The crime rate documented dropped by 50% almost immediately when the revival broke out. Criminals, minors, people were getting trans formed and changed by the presence of God poured out on a nation, starting with one 26-year-old man, young man, who was hungry for God. I love the story of, of the persistent woman. And Jesus told this parable, and he said, he said, when you pray, I want you to do like this. I want you to be like this. And he told the story of a woman who needed something from her neighbor. And she goes to the door and begins to beat on the door. And her neighbor's like, go away, go away. Oy, go away, get out of here. And she will not stop beating on the door until she got what she came for. Does it sound a little bit like Jacob wrestling with a man at the river Jabbok? saying, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Interesting enough, did you know Evan only lasted two and a half to three and a half years? Not for sure about the dates. Let's just say three years. Do you know he completely stepped away from pulpit ministry after that because he felt like he could be more effective as an intercessor than he could as a preacher? And he stepped away from pulpit ministry. For the next couple of decades, he never preached again. And then he was invited one time. Some friends of his set up a meeting, and he said, I'll show up, but we're just going to pray. He showed up to pray, and revival broke out again. <laughs> he was just praying. The man couldn't help himself because he was so full of God. Everywhere he went, he just leaked out. Brothers and sisters, we're supposed to be leaky vessels. We leak out the life that's inside of us. The scripture says that we're to ever be filled, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians. Why? Because we're leaky vessels. So we have to be continually filled. And that's a good thing. As we're filled, we leak. And as we leak, we're filled. And everywhere we go, everywhere we go, we have the privilege of leaking life out and touching everyone. Where we live, where we work, and where we play. So I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to invite the worship team to come out. We're going to go out with a, with a declaration, a creedal statement. I'm going to ask you to join me for 40 days of rain. This is basically 40 days of focus. I'm not asking you to fast. I'm not asking you to give up. I'm not saying do the Daniel fast or the, or the fast, which I, anything I can get in, in a blender and through a straw is a technical fast. I'm not asking you to do any of that stuff. I've been around all that. I'm asking you for 40 days of you taking time during your day, just writing you a note, set it on your watch or your iPad or your phone, a time to just, for a moment, I'm going to take a God pause. and I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to ask the Lord for revival. And don't pretend that you know what it's going to look like. 
because none of us do. None of us do. We can say we're prepared, but we're really not. But that's okay. He's just looking. Listen, what God's looking for is not your ability, family. It's your availability. Amen. He just wants open, available vessels so that he can fill them. So I want to ask you to do that. I'll be reminding you through the daily post. Do go on my Facebook page. Read them. Comment if it's appropriate. Whatever what God's saying to you. Let's focus on God for 40 days. At the end of this 40 days, on the 26th of September, we're going to participate in a global prayer event called The Return. We showed a video of it before the other video came on. It's called The Return. Ann Graham Lotz, Robert Morris, many are involved in this. And what it is, it's a day of intercession and praying for revival in our land and across the globe. Now, we're going to host it here it's going to be in Washington, but it'll be a simulcast, and churches are hosting it. We're going to host one here locally, and it'll be an all-day event. And here, we don't expect you to come here all day, but come sometime during the day. But then, at the end of the day, let's all come back together, and we're going to do a full-on worship night on that Saturday night, and we're just going to worship and pray and seek His face and be open before God. So that'll be on Saturday, September 26th. If you have any friends that are not going to church, not in church, can't be, or just need this atmosphere, invite them to come with you. And let's fill this place up with people that are hungry for God. And let's pray for revival in our land. Does anyone believe we need revival and spiritual awakening in our country? Amen. Yes. Me too. So let's do it together. I want to invite you to stand to your feet. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name. We're before you as sons and daughters, and our hearts are open. We are hungry for you. And Father, even as Jesus knew how to create a moment of hunger as he did when feeding the 5,000, I'm asking you to create those moments for us, Lord, that we would become hungry people, that there would be a holy, in fact, I declare that in the name of Jesus. I speak this over all of you online watching, you that are here, a holy dissatisfaction for status quo. That we will not succumb to a settler mentality, but we'll be pioneers, trailblazers, icebreakers, those who go out front. I pray and declare that over our people even now. Would, would some of you just by faith say, I receive that? Just receive it by faith. I receive it. That's all you got to do. Just receive it by faith. Father, we honor you. We go out with this declaration of our beliefs, Lord, because we truly believe. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. That's Pastor Jimmy.
crumble around us. We stand. We continue to stand. And we say we believe to a dark world. Sing with me. So let our faith be more than anthems. Come on. Greater than the songs we sing. He can use us. invite you to leave. Be a blessing, be a blessed, be a leaky vessel if you need to go. We're going to go around one more time because it's worth doing. It's worth standing in this world, in this dark times, in these fractured times, in this time of hate, in this time of separation. We stand because we believe 
we believe, and let's sing this together, what we believe, who we are, what he has done for us. Here we go. This time, this. I want to hear you sing this for us. Come on. That's all we know. That's all the world knows. We're standing on it.
God bless you.